Hello, welcome to Question Block. I am Alex, or Wires of NYC, and with me is... Aerialist, hi! Aerialist, you're looking like a movie star. What's going oh, on? You. It's just my sunglasses. Oh, you're wearing your sunglasses indoors. Mm-hmm. As At am night. I. At night. Yeah. <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> this week we're talking about sunglasses and sun protection for your eyes. So, as you know, I have a pretty extensive sunglasses collection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I did a, took the lead on a lot of the research for this episode. You sure did. I know nothing. I was going to have you guess when sunglasses were invented. When was Warby Parker born? So you were going to guess Ban. like 2013 mm-hmm. or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sunglasses were invented before the written word. What? Sunglasses were invented before like, I think even like metal tools. Before humans. They came before the Iron Age. Sunglasses belong to prehistory. They have found primarily people who live in the Arctic or in very snowy areas because snow blindness is like a real thing. And you can actually effectively use sunburn your retina or your like your cornea from exposure to incredibly bright light. And when it's bright overhead and like you're not in a snowy region or whatever, that's fine. You can still like walk around and just wear a hat or whatever. But if you're like an Inuit, like Hunter, the like sunlight is all reflecting directly into your eyes off the snow and can cause like serious damage and you can't see. So they have found like carved out of like walrus. Anthropologists are finding this. (laughs) The guy who who found it, he's like, yeah, someone's like, yeah, I found uh, like a hunting club or whatever and he's like i found some shades yeah some shades inuit artifacts there's cool pictures on wikipedia you can look up and they look like very narrow little slits but carved out of walrus tusks or caribou ivory with narrow slits and so there's obviously no lens or like uv protection but it does reduce the amount of light coming into your eyes so you can see it squints for you basically and then in recorded history the first recording of somebody maybe wearing cool glasses apparently nero like to watch gladiator fights using cut emeralds, I guess just to be very decadent. Um, it's not clear that they actually like worked like sunglasses or they just looked trippy and worked like mirrors. But he did he did wear cut emeralds. We have those too. Those like ref- refractory glasses. That's what they are. Yeah, those yeah. trippy glasses. I almost brought With those over. Glasses. Yeah, yeah. Nero had a pair of those. Uh, the first recorded sunglasses uh, date to. Um, I guess like middle middle period China, 12th century. Um, and so they were made of smoky quartz, which the Chinese call ai tai, which means dark clouds. The Chinese, they're smoky quartz. And like smoky quartz is not quartz that's exposed to smoke. It's just the name of a kind of quartz that looks like translucent, like gray. We, we talked about it on our gemstone episode. I'm just reminding people. There, is a, a, there are documents that describe the use of such sunglasses by judges in ancient Chinese courts to conceal their facial expressions while questioning witnesses. So I love the idea of like you walk into court for like a traffic ticket and the judge just has like fucking cool shades on. <laughs> they look at you and you're like, yeah, they like state your name. You're like, who are you talking to? I don't know who you're looking at. I will say as a quick aside, fundamentally wearing sunglasses culturally is always associated with being mysterious or cool. And there is like a deep seated like all the way back to our like primate ancestors aspect of that because humans have the whites of our eyes are huge compared to any other animal. And there's a whole like evolutionary psychology, anthropological theory that it's part of how humans communicate because most animals, you can't really tell exactly what they're looking at by seeing their pupil. You kind of look at where their head's pointing. Humans 
you can tell exactly what someone's looking at because like based on their pupil because the white of your eyes gives it away because it's so big and it means our eyes are very expressive when your eyes are wide open versus like sl slits or whatever is very clear <laughs> so there's a whole theory that it's part of like human communication and when you take that away and like wear sunglasses in an interview for example it can be considered rude or unprofessional if you're wearing sunglasses indoors or mysterious yeah. um so it's it's funny though it's that's related to like a very deep-seated like primate urge to want to communicate with people and be able to see what they're looking at you've probably noticed this too when you walk quickly in a crowd in a crowd if you look at the open spaces where you're headed between people other people kind of magically get out of your way i mean people just get out of my way in sure. general okay but uh I always thought it was funny because the phrase look where you're going can both be like someone yelling, like, look at me and stay out of my way. But they also can be like, give me visual clues as to where you are going by looking at that direction. So in the 1400s, they have a, a recording of like a pair of spectacles. And it was for uh, it was made by Nuno Fernandez. Uh, so 1459, Nuno Fernandez made a pair of spectacles for a horse horse riding in snow because the glare was really bad. Hmm. And that's probably like maybe the first recorded like I guess western like sunglasses. Our favorite king Louis the 14th. Oh yeah. They watched in 1706 there was a solar eclipse and they made a a special filter for a telescope so they could watch the solar eclipse without burning their eyes. So in 1706 they were smarter than like Donald Trump in like remember Donald Trump tried to watch like the 20 17 eclipse oh, yeah, or whatever. He took his and some reporter is like, please don't look at it directly. And he just looks at it. Anyway, so, so you know, Kings had, they knew about using UV filters um, or at least smoky glass to like look at directly at the sun. So by the 18th century, they had tinted mirror like Murano glasses in Italy. And they were called uh, gondola glasses because gondoliers hit, get a lot of glare coming off the water in the canals. So for them to see, they like we're we're making special glasses for them, and then Venetian women and children would also wear them when they were riding in the gondolas. And there are recordings of the the Doge. Doge is a great position. He was basically the mayor of like Venice, but <laughs> the Doge is a is a real political position in history. The Doge and other well Venetians, and there's this recorded famous Italian playwright uh, named Goldoni, and. Uh, apparently they called the, the sunglasses Goldoni glasses because I guess he was famous for wearing them. So they were tinted pairs of spectacles and they even had little side shades made of cloth. Oh, that's Because cool. even then they realized like just covering, just spectacles of your eyes won't cover your, prevent your eyes from getting glare from the side. Side, that's side eye. That's side eye. More like colored tinted lenses. This, uh, I guess, optician uh, or guy who playing with optics, James Avskoff experimented with tinted lenses in the mid 18th century around 1752 so they weren't sunglasses but he thought they were they could maybe correct or like help with vision improvements and he was probably wrong because they did nothing for like nearsighted people but he kind of mastered making like green or like yellow tinted glasses because he thought maybe that would help one of, yeah the earliest surviving depiction of a person wearing sunglasses is of the scientist Antoine Lavoisier who in 1772 worked with amplified sunlight. So I guess he was trying to actually study the suns and he realized he should like, you know, actually wear a special, special eyewear for that. And then by the 19th century, so 1800s, tinted spectacles were worn by railway travelers. 
It is popularly claimed, but I couldn't find an original source for it, that yellow or brown-tinted sunglasses uh, were worn in the 19th and early 20th century by syphilis sufferers because sensitivity to light is one of the symptoms of syphilis. So, like, Al Capone probably wore sunglasses a lot, I guess, like, the mid-1800s. Was it Walter Alden was, like, a journalist who wrote of soldiers during the Civil War in the 1860s. They were what they called shell spectacles. I guess because shell is just named after, like, a, a mortar around or whatever is called a shell. But uh, to protect against sunlight on long marches. So now, like, soldiers are wearing them in the late 1800s. So then there's there's now records in 1895 of the first, like, advertisements for sunglasses. So there's one in the Sioux City Journal in 1895. So that's sort of, like, how eyeglasses developed through history. And now I'll tell you about basically the 20th century, which is when sunglasses got stylish. Well, they got stylish and they actually got effective because most of the stuff I've been describing did not block UV light, which is what actually damages your eyes, much like on our sunscreen episode. It's the UV light that is actually really the issue. So just wearing tinted glasses makes it, it will like let you see when it's very bright out. You won't get like blinded by glare, but it doesn't protect your eyes. Um, so Jean-Marie Theodore Fizial was the first to argue for UV protection by using yellow shaded glasses. And then by 1899, Rodenstock GmbH uh, produced the first sunglasses intended for shielding your eyes from UV light and not just glare. And then there's a British physicist named Crookes, who in 1913 developed Crookes lenses, and they were made from glass containing cerium, which completely blocks ultraviolet light. Did it also completely kill you? No. Not cesium, cerium. I feel like the all the first things it was like yeah it will completely protect you from this thing while also killing you cerium is atomic number 58 so it's close to cesium not at all the same thing and it does block uv rays very effectively Good. okay so then in the early 1920s uh the use of sunglasses started to become widespread especially among movie stars to hide your identity so like the development of movie stars in hollywood went hand in hand with sunglasses and then inexpensive mass-produced sunglasses made from celluloid, which is great because celluloid is what you make film out of too, mm. right? Edward Land, right? Because he he used a, a filter from his Polaroid camera. Oh, to make Polaroid or polarized lenses. Yeah. I have it as a uh, Sam Foster in 1929 was producing glasses, sunglasses made from celluloid, and uh, he found his like first market. Uh, was on the beaches of Atlantic City, New Jersey, where he sold sunglasses under the name Foster Grant from a Woolworth that was on the boardwalk in Atlantic like City. So by 1938, Life magazine wrote of how sunglasses were a new fad for wear on city streets, a favorite affectation of thousands of women all over the U.S. I guess it was like a women's fashion trend. And then because it's Life magazine and no one knew anything in like the, the, the late 30s, it stated that 20 million sunglasses had been sold in the United States, but estimated that only about 25% of American wearers needed them to protect their eyes. <laughs> and it's like, it's not a special <laughs> medical thing. Like, everybody should be wearing it. Like It's like the masks. Yeah, it's just silly. Um, so around that same time, they also, uh, they became popular for pilots and uh, started, like, became very popular in the aviation sector. 
eventually adding to like that kind of led to then sunglasses becoming like cultural icons and like increasing their popularity like you said polarized sunglasses became were developed in 1936 when edwin land experimented with making lenses with his patented polaroid filter in 1947 the armor light company began producing lenses with cr39 resin so they made like pretty indestructible sunglasses when did they when we talked about them before What's that? The armor armor light? light? Like from then on, like sunglasses technology was pretty mature because we like by the 40s and 50s had plastics and metal and tinted glass. And then it like the particular sunglasses, they became almost a cultural fixture. And like what style of sunglass was in very much related to like the current like pop culture moment. We could do an aside for trivia and then talk about sunglass styles or we could do st- sunglass styles first. I have I have the sunglass styles as they go through the decades. All right, let's do the sunglass styles. I have them in alphabetical order. Oh, uh, but 1950s, we get the cat eye. In the 50s and 60s, the, they call it the brow line. <laughs> but it's when the top of the glass is like much thicker and accented, like it looks sort of like your eyebrows. Mm. Uh, so at least as far as glasses, <laughs> no, those are wraparound goggles. <laughs> but uh, at least as far as glasses, Mal- if you think of Malcolm X and his glasses, oh, yeah. have like the very thick like top frames. Whatever. Yeah. And it very much is like uh, associated with like intellectuals, I think, from like the 50s and 60s were like those kinds of glasses. Just like Marilyn Monroe and Bridget Bardo. Yeah, you can picture the 50s. They like picture like a girl in like a flouncy dress with like a little like grease. So the 60s, exaggerated shapes, the mod style, um, large round frames or large square frames in lucite or colored plastic were the the weapons of chicness during the 1960s. Yeah, so I have my alphabetical version refers to those both as like, they just call them oversized mm. or Jackie O's because Jackie Onassis very famously oh, yeah. wore giant dark sunglasses. Oh, I like these. I don't know what those. Um, in the 60s also, the counterculture movement wore T-shades, which is like John, John Lennon's wire rim glasses, the little round ones. Yeah. Our friend Conrad has a pair. Oh, yeah. Those little, the little circle sunglasses, those are called T-shades. And so they're also like Mick Jagger, Roger Daltrey, John Lennon, Jerry Garcia, Boy George, Liam Gallagher, Ozzy Osbourne. They've all like worn these. Um, Jodie Foster's character in Taxi Driver has them. Oh, yeah, but they're like big on her. Because she's very small. Yeah. Also around the same time in the, this is maybe even, this is also in like the late 60s when they became popular. Uh, aviator sunglasses That's were pretty big. 70, yeah. Oh, you have the 70s? The bohemian style. There's more variety, including aviators, fading lenses, and wireframes were all vogue. 70s, I always think of like orange, like those orange like dad glasses. You know what I mean? Yeah, the cock orange glasses, aviators. yeah, orange aviators, or, or they're called driving glasses. Hunter S. Thompson wore them. Yeah, is that's who you're exactly, of. Um, exactly. It is kind of neat. I hadn't thought too much, but like you can like see a pair of sunglasses and you know who the, the public figure is yeah. and the decade that they wore them. Aviators, uh, to give you a little history, the design was introduced in 1936, actually by by Bosch and Loam for U.S. military aviators. Mm-hmm. And so they gained popularity in the 40s. And in particular, Douglas MacArthur, 
the American general who like led the Pacific campaign and basically like conquered Japan um, was photographed wearing aviators in the Pacific theater. So that made them like very popular in magazines and stuff. And then uh, in the 1960s, they became widely used with the rise of hippie counterculture, which preferred large metallic sunglasses and the T-shades. And then it became an icon of the 1970s because Paul McCartney and Freddie Mercury also wore them, as did Hunter mm-hmm. S. Thompson. And Hunter S. Thompson was writing like the 60s and 70s. Well, so you got 1980s sunglasses got pretty exciting. Yeah. Bold and brash colors, unapologetic, playful eyewear shapes and style. Large white sunglasses were also popular. But here's the like, I don't know, the the shutter, I see, I see a shutter shade. Also, I see like that pink and green one where it's like two different color like asymmetric it reminds me of electric guitar yeah these yeah those probably don't have very good uv protection (laughs) this particular shades um shutter shades were invented in the 40s actually they got popular in the 80s and then they had a revival in the mid 2010s i think pretty much because of kanye west yep like made them popular again uh just be clear, if they don't have a lens, your photograph there, they do have lenses. But if they're just shutters, they don't provide any UV protection. They're not going to like prevent you from getting snow blindness or whatever. They just prevent glare. Also also popular in the 80s, although it was a revival, were, was the Ray-Ban Wayfarer. The Ray-Ban Wayfarer is a mostly plastic frame design <laughs> produced by the Ray-Ban company. They were introduced in 1952. They have a a trapezoidal lens that's wider at the top than the bottom and is inspired by brown line eyeglasses. But they're not as cat. They're not as like catty. Yeah. They were famously worn by James Dean, Roy Orbison, Elvis Presley, Bob Marley, and the Beatles. Wait, Bob Marley had them? Yeah. Bob Marley also wore Ray-Bans. Really? I don't think he's famous for wearing Ray-Bans, yeah, but he I'm did like, wear them. You would think they would include that in one of their campaigns. Yeah, so they were really big in the 50s and 60s, became synonymous with rock culture, and they were displaced by, and this is like, I thought very interesting, the counterculture, like hippie movement had a, you know, a backlash to culture at large and also a backlash to like rock and roll and rockabilly. So they switched from like chunky plastic frames to like thin wire frames. Which I'm in the 90s, that makes a, a resurgence. I have a, li- I have a little more info on the yeah, Wayfarers though. I want to know. Because, uh... Yeah, so they came back then post-counterculture in the late 70s with the rise of New Wave and what they call New Romanticism. And the Blues Brothers movie was really popular. And the Blues Brothers are like classic, like, you know, 50s rockabilly or even back to like 20s, like blues guys. And they were Wayfarers. And so like that movie was super popular. And it created this like in the 80s, they had a 50s nostalgia like movement. So they got popular again. Uh, and then I guess Ray-Bans like made a really smart product placement deal in 1982. So that got them into uh, movies like The Breakfast Club yes. and TV shows like Moonlighting, mm. which is like famously Bruce Willis was on that TV show as a, I think he played a detective before the Die Hard series. So yeah, and then... Uh, they again got boosted again in like the 2000s because of uh, Mad Men and hipsters basically returning once again to that sort of like 50s rockabilly look or mm. Mad Men wearing 
Them and it's funny because they're distinguished by their sunglasses. They're like the the advertising execs are wearing like Ray Bans or Wayfarers, um, whereas the counterculture movement is wearing wireframe sunglasses. Okay, tell me about the nineties. The nineties, from excess to minimal, small and wired lenses became the eyewear du jour. In the 90s, from pop princesses like Britney to Sarah Michelle Gellar, the style was all the rage. Yeah, so those really teeny tiny glasses, which is which because Y2K is like back now. That's also really popular. Those like teeny slit. They're like little slit. So what I think is pretty wild in this rundown you have is you don't have Oakleys or wraparound shades, which are like the quintessential like late 90s look like Sugar Ray, Guy oh, Fieri. Yeah. Fred Durst style like wraparound plastic Oakley's. Which are kind of like these. Which are kind of like those you're wearing. Although those don't have clear lenses. And I have a little history of Oakley's because yeah. it's actually like pretty fascinating. I want to know. Tell me. Um, so wraparound sunglasses is just that the the lenses, instead of being directly in front of your eyes, like the whole sunglasses curve and they like wrap this? around the sides of your face and the lenses themselves curve to like be against your face. So those became popular first in the 1960s as variations on the aviator model. So Yoko Ono and Clint Eastwood in the Dirty Harry films famously wore wraparound shades. So the modern variant got really big, got bigger in the mid-1980s based on the Wayfarer, but making it more futuristic. And you've probably seen a Wayfarer trapezoidal style that's more angled. Yeah, in the 90s, wraparound became like the way to go. And Oakley's has a very, like, pretty cool story. Um, so in, they were invented by this guy, Jim Jannard, in 1975. He started a company called Oakley out of his garage with an initial investment of $300. And Oakley was named after, he had an English setter, I guess, dog, like terrier, oh. named mm -hmm. Oakley Ann, right? Like, like Annie, Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley, but his dog was named Oakley Ann, so he just called his company Oakley. Hmm after his dog, which is very cute. And originally began as a company selling motorcycle handlebar grips. So he was really into motocross and like dirt bike racing. So he developed handlebar grips and then later he developed some goggles for the like motor motorcyclists to wear. Um, and apparently he was like really bad at making goggles, but they looked pretty cool. So a lot of motocross riders would wear them on top of their helmet, even when they weren't actually like <laughs> using them. Cause I guess they, they fit too close to your face and they, they would fog like too easily in his initial design. So he adjusted it, but the key is they were all made from like pretty lightweight plastic because the idea is if you like crash or like smash your head into something, they're not going to shatter or cut you or anything. So plastic frames and like relatively lightweight plastic was kind of key and they, that they wrapped around. And then specifically where he, he made the jump from like goggles to sunglasses uh, he was driving north from San Diego, and if you've, like, lived in or driven on the one in California, like the coast road, if you're driving north from San Diego and the sun is setting, it's off to your left, like, the sun sets over the Pacific, and Highway 1 goes right along the Pacific, like, along these cliffs, and as the sun hits the horizon during sunset, it is blinding, but it's off to your left, so if you have traditional, like, you know, wayfarers, or, like, they won't block the sun, it, like, blinds you just off the side of your eye mm -hmm. and you can't really do anything so he was driving with like his hand held up like to keep from like getting blinded by this cycler and he was like 
oh, I should like adjust my goggles because they wrap all the way around your face and like make sunglasses out of them. And it, it's not that he rediscovered wraparound sunglasses because they already existed, but he was like, oh, there's a real need for like this particular use case. That's so cool. So then he started producing the glasses and then arguably another thing that made them, oh, and he used plastic instead of acetate frames because they're meant for sports, right? Mm. I guess these glasses I have are acetate and they will like crack and shatter if they like get hit hard. Whereas just plastic is like what he used for Oakley's. So they're meant for sports. He got a bunch of athletes to wear them or sponsored them. So Greg LeMond won the Tour de France in 1985 wearing Oakley's. And that made them like be like an international brand. And then apparently he was super inspired by Apple has this super famous ad that came out in 1984 where like uh, it's like a very big brother Orwellian thing. And they're like the Apple is going to like shatter like your expectations or whatever in 1984 won't be like 1984 because it's like quintessential super famous ad he just copied all of apple's advertising stuff and so you can go look up oakley ads from like 1986 and it looks like they're selling a computer it's like a white backdrop with uh the font is called garamond and it looks like they're selling like apple computers and it's like it'll just have a picture of the glasses very basic it doesn't show an athlete wearing them and it's not corny at all. It's like a very funny advertisement. But then they really took off in the 90s, I think, because more and more athletes started wearing them. So like golfers were wearing them and like Michael Jordan was wearing a pair. And then famously Guy Fieri like killed them. Anyway, so it's a it's kind of a cool company that it was it was really developed for like sports, but it was around like the late 90s around the time like the X Games started happening and like I guess motocross and skateboarding extreme extreme sports quote-unquote became like mainstream and oakley like kind of rode the wave yeah wraparounds do lend themselves to more futuristic styles i like the wayfarer because it's explicitly like a retro yeah. look and that's why i have them in tortoiseshell which is like a retro oh yeah 2000 the 2000s the rise of girls like of eight girls like misha barton Lindsay lohan and nicole ritchie the Olsen twins had like the giant oversized sunglasses. The bigger, the better. That's just Jackie O though. They're just retreading yeah. like Jackie O now. Well, so. then I think it just goes, it just keeps like repeating itself. Cause then if we think about like 2010, there's like the shutter shades, like we're back to the. It really, now it's just on a 80s. 30. We're just on a 30 year loop. Yeah. Back to the eighties. Then if you think, if you think about it, like, well, I guess like, that's what it is. It's just yeah. like the younger generation ironically wearing what their parents wore at some point, and then it becomes popular. So I'll give you some trivia now to end, to okay. end the episode. So what, what city is the largest producer of sunglasses in the world? I bet it's like a city without any sun or something. No, it's... Vegas? <laughs> no, it's uh, Xiamen, China. Oh, in the world. In oh, the yeah, world. duh. Yeah, Xiamen, China. Right? But they're... So it's like a port city, but for whatever reason, they're like yes. the sunglasses capital of the world. They produce 120 million pairs each year. So I saw in Vice something, I think it probably was there, where they, they there was a factory and they were just like, it was like 10 sunglasses like came out of the machine or whatever. And then the, the workers were just putting like 
the like Gucci like applique on it. They're like these are Gucci, okay? Like these are Chanel. Like because all those companies have their like they all have like a Wayfair, and it's literally they're just like all right, we're just gonna. I don't know if it was like knockoffs or like that's actually. They all are coming from the same factory. No, it's like a. I guess a. It might be stylized, but a popular factoid is that like it will be the same assembly line that produces like the the product you pay a lot for it, like the name brand and produces the knockoff or whatever. They come from the same assembly factory. Maybe there's more like quality control checking on like the name brand version, but it's like the ori- same original assembly line and same parts. Yeah, it's not, uh, and now like a, a little guide to buying sunglasses. So it's not possible to see the protection that sunglasses offer from UV rays. So dark lenses do not automatically filter out more harmful UV radiation and or blue light compared to like lighter colored lenses and so dark glasses that don't block uv radiation can actually be worse for your eyes than not wearing eye protection at all because they open up your pupil and more uv rays can get into your eyes so make sure that your uv sunglasses are good and some of them do have a rating although it's very generic they'll just say uh like uv 400 Mm. um and uv 400 just means that like they're pretty good at and and they that's in the u.s in the european union they're a little more stringent and they use uh they check up to 380 nanometers sorry they're less stringent so yeah you just look for that uv 400 rating to know that you're actually protecting your eyes so they've yeah prices also like have no impact so there's a survey that showed that a $7 pair of generic sunglasses glasses offered slightly better protection than like a $1,000 pair of Salvatore Ferragomo Fer- shades, mm. which is wild, right? You're paying like $1,000 for a pair of sunglasses, and they don't have UV protection. They just look cool. Yeah, that's wild. Okay. So then I talked about earlier about what the reason you need UV-blocking sunglasses is that they prevent both short-term and long-term problems, and that photokeratitis is what it's called, which is snow snow blindness or sunburn of your cornea and conjunctiva. If you don't want that, you also can get cataracts, and you can get various forms of eye cancer. So yeah, you should wear sunglasses all the time. Medical Medical experts advise the public on the importance of wearing sunglasses to protect the eyes. For adequate protection, experts recommend uh, that they should filter more than 99% of UVA and UVB light with wavelengths up to 400 nanometers. So that's what the UV 400 standard is. Mm. Which is not hard. <laughs> it's like you can make a plastic <laughs> lens that will do that. It's they, like not too expensive. They expose one of your eyes. <laughs> can you imagine? Oh, they test it by saying, like, when is your eye going to explode? Yeah, when are you yeah. going to get photokeratitis? Yeah, they put one your monocle on the other eye. They make you stare directly into the sun. I think they just test it in a lab and just use like a little photometer or something to see yeah. how much light is hitting it. Um, and then they, they make a, a specific note. Sunglasses are not sufficient to protect your eyes against permanent harm from looking directly at the sun, even during a solar eclipse. You have to wear special eyewear known as solar viewers to directly look at the sun. Solar viewers. That's a great name. Very creative. Yeah. 
There's a factoid I learned. I didn't know this because like whenever you see videos or pictures of astronauts floating in space, they're not wearing glasses. Astronauts all wear glasses because when you go to zero gravity, the shape of your eyeball changes. Huh? So apparently 90% of astronauts wear glasses in space, even if they don't require corrective glasses on Earth because zero gravity and pressure changes temporarily affect your vision. Yeah, for space travel, the sunlight is the sunlight is far more intense because you don't have the ozone layer protecting you. UVC, you got that UVC. Yeah, the atmosphere uh, does a lot of filtering of sunlight that hits the Earth. So uh, astronauts, both like within and outside spacecraft, they often wear sunglasses. So they have special sunglasses that have even darker lenses than you would wear on Earth, and they have a thin protective gold coating Ooh, because fancy. I guess the gold even will absorb like x-rays or cosmic rays and help them from like even higher energy uh incoming light or radiation and then during spacewalks you've seen it the visor of the astronaut helmet has it it has a thin gold gold coating which acts as strong sunglasses and if you wear sometimes like there are photos of an astronaut wearing like sunglasses or their glasses inside the space helmet right like inside a spacesuit and like if it falls off the bridge of your nose or something, like you're screwed because you can't touch your face to like fix it. So they like fit very tightly and like wrap around your ears. I think goggles. Yeah, they're pretty much designed almost like goggles. What about blue light glasses? So I think blue light is not really harmful necessarily, but it's now regarded as like an issue because we look at screens so much, and the blue light can inhibit the production of melatonin, so you don't get sleepy at night. And so many people will, like, read an iPad or, like, work on their computer right until the moment they try to go to bed, and then they have trouble going to bed because their body hasn't had time to produce melatonin. So the best advice is practice good sleep hygiene and just stop looking at screens at least two hours before you go to bed. And supposedly it also helps you if you find yourself squinting at your computer monitor, blue light glasses supposedly can help with that, too. What about black lights at the party? Is that bad for you? Uh, you're probably fine with those. Okay. They are, black lights are putting out um, light that's in like the 400 to 450 nanometer range because that's how they work. It's UV light. But it's probably not below 400 nanometers, which is like you really can't see UV light in that range, whereas black lights are purposely like visible light that you can see. So they're like a little higher wavelength and lower energy and also, those lights don't put out nearly enough light to burn Especially you. Especially if they're LEDs, they're going to be like nothing. Well, if they're LEDs, they're just more efficient. They don't they don't use up as much power to produce the same light. But a black light generally is like not gonna not gonna burn your skin or burn your eyes because it just isn't putting out enough light <laughs> compared to the sun, which puts out a whole lot of UV light. But you can't see UV radiation, right? So you don't really know that that the damage is happening anyway. Whereas black lights are purposely like a little bit, you can see everything longer wavelength and lower light. energy, and your eyes are incredibly sensitive. So your eyes are really good, especially in like a nightclub or when looking at some sort of black light setup. It really doesn't take much light compared to the brightness of the sun. It takes very little for it to appear bright to you. Your eyes are extremely good at like your pupils dilating and picking up even like very trace amount of of light and making it seem to you as though it's like a fully lit black light thing. Mm. Even though if you were to objectively measure it with a like a photometer, it's like really dim and there's actually very little light. So we can keep partying. 
You can keep partying. Okay, great. However, lasers, don't get hit in the eye with a laser. That will really damage your mm, vision. Okay. That can destroy your phone camera. Hmm? Not my phone camera. Apparently, they're like no one. They're very hard to use in New York City. Is why we never see them in nightclubs. Well, yeah. you never see them because you're not allowed to look at yeah. them. But if you go to if you go to Vegas, they got lasers all over the place. What happens in Vegas? I guess it stays in Vegas, and you can never see again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be careful. If there's lasers at a at a show, you really don't want to get hit in the eye. Don't shine a laser pointer in someone's eye. It's, re- it's really mean. Or your cat. Yeah. Well, your cat can chase it. Just don't don't point it in your cat's eye. <laughs> Okay, that's my my uh, summary on sunglasses. I hope I've illuminated the issue. Yes, I love it. I guess we could talk a little about polarized glasses, but they're not really for protection. A cool thing, have you ever worn like a pair of polarized, yeah. not even necessarily sunglasses, but just polarized mm, yeah. lenses? Um, they're really cool with water. Oh, I haven't worn it turns them out in, in water so before. So water or light, sunlight that's reflecting off like a lake surface is often polarized just because of the angle that it's coming at you off the surfaces of the lake. And so if you wear certain polarized lenses, basically like completely el- eliminate the glare of the sun coming off the water and you can see into the lake mm. as if there was no overhead sun. As if there was no pollution. <laughs> there are people who have <laughs> who have videos of this that are really striking where someone's looking at like a pond and it's just like, you know, glittery, like mirrored, reflective. And then they like hold the camera up to a polarized lens and you see like, thousands of tadpoles swimming in the in the pond which is kind of neat now that should be oakley's advertising Mm -hmm. campaign we'll save that for the optics episode i think i think the polarized lenses are pretty specialized use case generally if you're around like water or snow and dealing with glare i think you can get some on amazon but you out there get yourself some uv 400 sunglasses yeah i don't think my my van sunglasses i'm wearing i don't think are rated I think they had a sticker on them that I. Oh, they did. Th- I think they did off. come with yeah. a sticker. They're made they in China, probably in Xiamen. Shout out, shout shout out. Yeah, mine are called the Spicoli Four. That's great. They're named after a character in a movie. How about yeah, those classes? They, they definitely, they they do everything. They they say nothing. They do everything. Okay. If you liked this, <laughs> then give us a, you know, like be like the PD system and give us, give us five stars. Because we take care of all your sun care needs. Blue skies, white hats, won't blind everything you hide. Your shades can't shade in the sunlight, in the sunlight. Your lips.